So today's ad slot isn't sponsored. Instead, I want to tell you about a charity I work with who could really do with some extra help right now. I'd like you to contemplate for a moment about how you feel when you're really hungry, or if you have a child, how they behave when they're hungry. Terrible, right? Hunger affects everything. Behavior, mood, concentration, ability to learn. A hungry person, and especially a hungry child, isn't anywhere near their best self. Magic Breakfast provides free, nutritious breakfasts to over 1,000 primary, secondary, and ASL special educational needs schools across the UK. Every school day, they offer breakfasts to up to 200,000 children. But it's also not just about the food. I've visited their schools and their clubs also serve as a place for children to come together, get support from teachers, catch up on homework, relax with friends, even get their hair braided. How needed is this charity? Sadly, very, and more so than ever. According to government statistics before COVID, around 1.7 million children in the UK were living with food insecurity, meaning that they're at risk of hunger in the morning. That number is now looking closer to 4 million. And of course, with the cost of living crisis, it's just rising. I volunteer with Magic Breakfast. I'm on their development board and I know the money goes where it's needed to supporting children as well as lobbying for policy change to encourage the government to step in. Magic Breakfast actually always say that their ultimate aim is to make themselves obsolete, to end child hunger for good. If you have the ability to support a hungry child, please do check them out. It's magicbreakfast.com. Thank you. I constantly kind of get asked, why do you lean into change? And I think the reason I do is because one of the worst changes that can happen in your life happened to me, um, losing the ability to to mobilise, to, to to feel two thirds of my body, to you know, be, the the obvious one is to, I'm not able to walk, but there's so much more that I lost in my crash that you know it kind of all of that happened, and yet I found all this amazing joy and 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 purpose and meaning, and so I, I kind of almost think. Wow, if you can learn that much from something so bad, what is what is what are the possibilities there? So I'm always looking for new ways to to see the world and new things that I can um, grow from. So stepping out of my comfort zone, for example, that's a real thing. I think as a paraplegic, it's not that hard to do that. A lot of things are you know out of the comfort zone when you're when you're a wheelchair user. So I do tend to seek that out because I'm like, right, what's the worst that could happen? Welcome to Priorities the podcast about the things in life that really matter. I'm your host, journalist and coach Lily Silverton, and each week, along with a roster of incredible guests, I'll be exploring how priorities inform and transform our lives, sharing mindset tips, strategies, tools, and inspiration to help you prioritize your own life. We'll be covering what we think is important and unimportant, what we'd like to work on a little more, and the moments that changed our priorities and lives forever. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is broadcaster, TV presenter, and disability advocate, Sophie Morgan. Voted as one of the top 10 most influential people with a disability in the UK, Sophie is one of the only television presenters with a disability in the world. As well as fronting shows such as Loose Women, Living Wild, and The Paralympics, Sophie makes award-winning current affairs documentaries, travel programs, and consumer affairs shows, including Dispatches and Unreported World. 
Sophie recently launched the hashtag rights on flights campaign to raise awareness around the treatment that those with disabilities face when flying. Her first book, a moving, funny and thought provoking memoir, Driving Forwards, came out in paperback last month. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've read your book, Driving Forwards, and have so many questions. But I'm going to start with the one which I ask all my guests at the beginning, which is, are you a routine kind of person? Do you know, I wish I could say yes to that. I think my my mission in life is to one day be, to be able to say, yes, I have a routine. But the short answer is, no, I don't have a routine. I wish I did. Um, the, the nature of my life and my job and, and everything that I'm doing at the moment means that routine often gets like thrown out the window. So there's certain habits I have that I keep daily, but when it comes to routine, I, I, I struggle. Your routine is no routine. Almost, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> what are the habits that you have? So I tend to start my day in the same way. I always try and wake up at the same time. And I'm a, I'm a big fan and ambassador for a brand called Simprove, which is a probiotic drink, which I have routinely every day. And then it's sort of like a, a kind of half hour moment of calm in the mornings. I always try and just take a moment just wherever I am, just to take that time, not to doom scroll, not to get on my emails, you know, all of those things that are really easily done, I suppose, when you're super busy, especially when you're in different time zones as well, when you, you know, people might be awake and you're just waking up. So I kind of try and keep that half hour free and then just slowly ease myself into the day. And those kind of morning um, habits tend to be things like I listen to music, I've started writing quite a lot or I'll try and read in the morning. I'm trying to do creative things in the morning as opposed to sort of reactive, um, more stressful things. Um, it tends to set me up a little bit better. Um, and then, yeah, I try and eat at the same time and I try to go to bed at the same time. Those are my sort of loose habits and exercise every day as well. But I, I'm being kind on my, to myself on that front. If it doesn't always work out, that's okay. It's part of taking care of yourself, right? Trying to, trying to. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good, pretty good uh, routine to me, personally, <laughs> where you are in the world. Um, Sophie, I'm going to kick off with the question, have your priorities ever shifted in an instant? A hundred percent. So when I was 18 years old, I was paralyzed in a car crash and my everything changed completely overnight in an instant. I mean, of course, that kind of gradual change did take some time too in the sense that I so I woke up in hospital after the car crash and came to terms I suppose in the, in the next sort of three months with the physical changes in my body as I was being rehabilitated um, at the spinal hospital in in North London um, and so there was sort of in that moment there were changes that um, were, were seismic in my outlook and and in my attitude but then also I think when I kind of went back out into the world as a wheelchair user and the subsequent journey, that was 20 years ago now, Lily. So that journey has been long um, and there has been a constant shift in my perception, constant change. So I live with change, I think, and I embrace it and I also lean into it. So I'm always looking for a perspective shift. But yes, that moment the everything changed was definitely in my car crash and in the subsequent sort of life-changing injury that I had it shifted my perspective into just being incredibly grateful for 
a surviving um, because it was very nearly a fatal injury. Um, but I survived that. And I think then soon the other pieces of the puzzle kind of slotted together. So my gratitude for my family, for example, my support network around me, that had been very much taken for granted when I was younger. And then um, in the in the aftermath of the crash, that became the most important thing to me. Um, so that value for family, for friends, for the small things, you know, just being able to, my mum had just bought a puppy and I was able to hug that puppy and that I can't tell you what that meant for me in 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 the uh, you know lying um, having just learned that I was never going to walk again. It just little things like that. So my perspective became very very different from what I was before, which was quite a kind of I suppose quite selfish, quite um, quite wild and quite kind of headstrong young teenager. And then soon after you know the crash, I became kind of just just a little a little bit more fearful about what was possible for my life and so I hung on to things that kept me safe um and then I soon became grateful for you know being able to just be able to get into a wheelchair and being able to get out and about um and then learning that I could drive again and then learning that I could travel again and you know that slowly every time I learned something new about what I could do uh despite being paralyzed um that shifted my perspective as well on on everything. So, yeah, it's been a constant journey of, of awakening. <laughs> <laughs> and do you still have that now? You still Always. That? Always, yeah. I mean, I, I have a real addiction to to learning and to changing and to seeing things differently, I think, because um, I should, I should try and clarify why, because I've, I constantly kind of get asked, why do you lean into change? And I think the reason I do is because one of the worst changes that can happen in your life happened to me, um, losing the ability to, to mobilize, to, to, to feel two thirds of my body to, you know, be the, the obvious one is to, I'm not able to walk, but there's so much more that I lost in my crash that, um, you know, it kind of, all of that happened. And yet I found all this amazing joy and, and, and purpose and meaning. And so I, I kind of almost think, Wow, if you can learn that much from something so bad, what is what is what are the possibilities there? So I'm always looking for new ways to to see the world and new things that I can um, grow from. So stepping out of my comfort zone, for example, that's a real thing. I think as a paraplegic, it's not that hard to do that. A lot of things are you know out of the comfort zone when you're when you're a wheelchair user. So I do tend to seek that out because I'm like, right, what's the worst that could happen? it's it's only, it can only be good right I mean that's kind of how I take it so I mean I've been wrong don't get me wrong there have been times when I've decided to do stupid things and things have gone terribly wrong and I've got oh that was a bad idea circle back let's start again but um I, I yeah I do really enjoy kind of working out how I can see new things like whether it's meeting new people from backgrounds that I don't come from or whether it's going to places that you know, are completely different to where I grew up or where I live now, or, you know, all, all of those things I do. I really, I literally live for it. What do you recommend to someone who maybe doesn't live for it, but would like to more? Do you have like a piece of advice or something you say to yourself? I have this, um, I don't know if it's helpful because I feel advice sometimes is often given, but it's, it should be taken relatively, you know, because I think there's a lot to be taken into to, to consideration and I I check my privilege a lot when it comes to recommending and advising and you know because it's very easy for me to say you know I'm a wheelchair user and I could say oh as a wheelchair user you could do it too but mm -hmm. the fact is if you don't perhaps have 
the privilege of having a support network or to having I'm, I'm very lucky I have a job and, you know, a lot of disabled people are struggling to get into employment for so many reasons. Or I have a wheelchair that suits me and is lightweight and works. So I, I have that privilege. So it's I'm very hesitant to just go, right, if I can do it, you can do it. But what I would say is what I've learned over the years is because I live with a lot of physical limitation, um, because I'm constantly kind of, I suppose, not only just internally, but externally reminded of the things I can't do. So, you know, like I said, I can't walk. So I, you know, it's not like I can go for a hike, right? But I will constantly go, okay, what are the things I can do? And if I know, right, okay, I can't go for a hike, but I could get into um, an adapted uh, mountain bike and wheel myself off into the mountains, then I'll go, right, I I can do that. Now, if the thing that's getting in the way of me doing that is my fear of doing it, which is imagined, fear is is imagined, it's not a physical barrier, it's an attitudinal barrier. If I can break that fear down, then that means I'm a little less disabled. If I can't break my fear down, then I'm doubly disabled, if that makes sense. So it's this constant, like, if you've got a fear of something, I, I really ask yourself, how can you break it down? Because the fear is is imagined. I think I think I'm right in saying there's only two things you're I wrote this in my book, two things that we're born innately with fear of. One is falling and the other is loud noises. I think they're intrinsic fears. The rest are all learned behaviors, I think. Obviously some are very rational, for sure. But if they're if they're if you just got a fear of, I don't know, being judged or a fear of failing or a fear of going into a place and it it kind of you're not feeling welcome, that's all imagined. It's all imagined. And and if you can overcome that, then your world opens up massively. So that's been my constant journey is going, right, what am I scared of? Do it. Um, and your world will get bigger. It's that kind of thing. I did, I did it with my job. You know, I, I started, I went into live broadcasting on television. I mean, I, I presented the Paralympics in my first live broadcast in Rio to an audience of millions of people. I don't know how I did it, but I remember my friends saying, what are you doing? And I was like, well, the reason I'm doing it it's because I'm really scared of it. I've been given the opportunity to do it and I'm terrified. So that's ridiculous. If I say no, the only reason I'm not doing this amazing thing is because I'm getting in the way of myself. It's not my disability. So that's kind of been my, my, my it's not advice, but if it's anything to learn from, that's how I approach things. Just go, right. Am I getting in my own way? If so, let's sort that out. Mm. And then that, of course, expands your comfort zone. It sounds mm-hmm. like trite and embroider it on a pillow but it's really really impactful. yeah you know we you hear all that stuff don't you the cliche nothing grows in the comfort zone and <laughs> all of these things but for god's sake it's true it's yeah. true um and but again i check the privilege because it is a privilege to be able to have the confidence um to step outside of a comfort zone um and i've worked out what my safety net is um so i'm constantly expanding that comfort zone um, but I, I am, I'm very aware of the privileges that I have and, and that make it easier for me to do so. So what are some of your priorities aside from stepping outside your comfort zone? So it's a great question. I think it shifts all the time. So I'd say today my priorities um, are making change um, both to myself and to the wider world. There's a lot of work that needs to be done we just lost um, in the disability justice movement. We just lost a, a leader 
in our, in our movement. She was an American woman named Judy Human, and, and she recently passed away. And it's left a big gap in our community, I think. And a lot of us are responding with, gosh, what, what do we need to do in Judy's name? That kind of what, what work is left to be done? Because certainly it's not a, an equal world yet for disabled people. So there's a lot of change that needs to be had. So I'd say, yes, change constantly to myself and to the world. I'd say purpose is a priority, constantly feeling like I've got a purpose. Um, and I have to say priority, it sounds really trite, but just to be happy, just to have a good time. I'm, I'm not very good at kind of suffering through things if I, unless there's a reason to. Don't get me wrong, I, I suffer and I struggle and I work hard and things are tiring and difficult and I certainly complain about things, but I would, if I'm really hating something, I'll stop it and change it because I think having nearly died all those years ago, I'll never tolerate a life that isn't, you know, kind of almost in uh, in gratitude for that fact that I didn't. Um, so I need, so I owe it to myself um, to just be happy. So yeah, it's priority. Be happy mm. or content or whatever word you want to use. <laughs> just just have a smile and wake up going, yeah, cool. I'm up for today. Yeah, and it's like there's no endpoint happiness. It's just the general, as you say, like contentment, joy. Yeah, and that shifts. That really shifts. You know, sometimes I could be like, do you know what's going to bring me happiness today? Uh, doing nothing. Or do you know what's going to be happiness? I want to change the world today, actually. You know, it, it varies. It varies. Are you good at doing nothing? I'm terrible. I'm really terrible. I when I when So oh, people always ask this question. And there's such a thing about, oh, self-care, rest. And I'm like, people say it to me all the time, you know, rest. I'm like, um, yeah, no, I, I, I really have got too much to do. And I love it. I, I love what I'm doing at the moment. So yeah, certainly I, I need to rest. And um, I get dragged into restful spaces by my friends and family. And they sort of sit me down and go, stop. Um, but I think because I'm really purpose-driven, I don't really enjoy the stopping all that much. Um, but my body will certainly say, right, no, you can't, no, body's said enough. I mean, I'm dragged, like this this month alone, I've dragged myself to three or four different countries. I'm I'm constantly moving things and around, and for, all for work. Um, I'm taking like long, long days and not a lot of sleep. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, there's certainly a, a lack of balance at the moment, but at the same time, I'm waking up super content and purposeful and all of those things. So why would I rest? Mm. I'll rest when I need to, you know. Um, and I think, I don't know. Well, it's a, it's a complicated question to ask. I think as well, I'm motivated by the fact that there's, I've been given an opportunity recently to, to highlight some of the issues that are facing disabled travellers. And it's kind of landed on my lap. Like I didn't, I didn't actually, it sounds like it's opportune. I mean, it's come to me. I mean, the opportunity to make change. I, I've been struggling with um, airlines and travel and, um, basically Brit British Airways broke my wheelchair recently and, and a campaign has started off the back of it. Now I didn't intend for that campaign and I didn't plan for it, but it's happening. And I don't really have the opportunity to go, do you know what? I'll just leave it for now. I'm a little bit tired. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, there's a campaign happening and I am going with it. I'm going with it, but on top of all my other work that I'm doing, you know, so it's almost like I don't really have much choice at the moment. I don't know how you be an activist and an advocate and then rest a lot. But I'm sure someone listening to this will have an opinion. So if someone's got an idea, then I'm I'm open to listening. But at the moment, I'm cool. <laughs> it's fun. How do you recharge? Um, I plug in with my pals. Mm. I listen to really good music. 
I um, exercise. I, I try and exercise every day. Um, and how else do I recharge? I try and sleep. You know, I try. I, I'm not very good at sleeping, but if I can, that's my a good recharge. Um, how else do I recharge? I think that's it, really. Yeah, friends and fam- family sort of switching off from because they're not a lot of my friends and family aren't involved in my work and so I can just go right what are you doing tell me about your life what's happening with your dog how are the kids you know I switch into their into their lives and that's me just switching off so that's a recharge and then also yeah exercise and stuff like that for all the reasons that we know Mm, that's your form of rest then I think so Mm-hmm. I have a, a complicated relationship with the word rest because when I was in my early 20s, I was forced onto a prolonged period of bed rest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we call bed rest and it sounds very peaceful. And everyone's like, oh, that sounds nice. I'd love bed rest. But for me, it was like torture because I had to lie on my stomach for the best part of three years. Um, and um, because I was waiting for a wound on my right bum cheek to heal and I couldn't sit in my wheelchair till it had healed. So that kind of prolonged, enforced bedridden bed rest you know lying on my stomach day in day out um almost every day yeah for the best part of three years means that if I'm not having to do that because my skin is intact my body I'm literally touching wood right now my body's well I'm like go 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 just go 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 don't rest so any therapist listening to listening to this will understand that I have a problem there with rest. Um, and that's, that's why, but you know, it is what it is. So (laughs) you're definitely not the only one with a problem with rest. I think I've got it as well. Um, and And we know why, right? We know why. Yeah. We like to keep going. going. And it's a very ableist attitude. It's a very toxic attitude. It's born from so many, you know, capitalists that we could go into it, couldn't we? But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if for me, I've reconciled it because I know I'm working towards something that really means a lot to me. So it's not like I'm not resting and I'm doing a job I hate or I'm not resting and I'm struggling in a relationship that I wish I wasn't in or, you know, or something. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's, I, I reconcile it, but um, yeah, complex. Hey, if you're enjoying the themes in this podcast and want to delve a bit deeper into prioritizing your own life, come on over to my Substack prioritize this where I release weekly essays, voice memos, and coaching questions on priorities, habits, values, and generally the stuff that makes for a better life. Search prioritize this on the Substack website or app. It is complex. So that the part of your book where you talk about the period of bed rest, um, I found so moving. And um, I was wondering, do you, did you have any like mental processes that you use during that long, long time? That I'm I look back on it and I kind of, I don't know is the answer. I'm kind of like, how did I do that? But it hasn't been the only time that I've had to go on to bed rest again. Unfortunately, the 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 wound I was talking about kind of left a scar, a scar on my bum cheek. And given that I'm sitting on my bum all day long as a wheelchair user, um, I'm prone to it breaking down or banging it on something if I transfer from my chair into something else badly and it can flare up. So I, I've had prolonged periods of bed rest since then and the coping mechanism is always the same it's the sort of I start off going I've got this right I'm going to be I'm going to use this time I schedule my day bear in mind I'm not able to literally get out of bed unless I'm going to the toilet otherwise it's just lying on the bed 
I can't even wash really. I mean, a bed, a bed, bed bath. But um, I lie there and I kind of schedule my day and I get really structured. Um, and I try to, you know, maintain however I can my work and whatever. So I stay productive and I, you know, get to the end of the day and I right, I allow myself now I'm going to watch a film or I don't lie there all day watching telly or something that really doesn't help me. Um, but, but after a month of that, I start to lose my motivation. Then I start to sort of just gaze out the window going, what the hell is this life? I can't, I can't get outside. I can't go anywhere. You know, all of the self-care tips that you get from all these wellness experts again mm-hmm. check their bloody privilege uh it's all go for a walk and yeah. you know be in nature and you're like yeah no we don't all have that privilege <laughs> so i get in those situations quite resentful of the kind of where do i go with this what do i do i, I tend to listen to music i tend to escape into music i i then tend to draw and paint uh, however i can um often that will involve like putting a canvas underneath the bed um, and then I just sort of lean over the side of the bed and paint a bit if I can. Um, it gets a bit uncomfortable though, or I draw, um, which is always a real escape. Art has always been my, my escape route. Um, and yeah, then after, if it depends how long it's going on, you know, if it's been if it's six months of it, I eventually just start to get really depressed and then just kind of go zombie low. And I just don't really know what to do. I kind of lie there going, woof just I can't do this and eventually knowing it will pass I start plotting things then I get to the end and I go right what's next where am I going to go when I get off this what am I going to do and then I start getting excited about planning Mm -hmm. so then I just plan 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 um and plot and dream and fantasize about what's going to happen when I get off the bed rest and then the minute I do I don't stop Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah it's a lot Mm -hmm. So important for the brain to have something to look forward to. Always. Absolutely. And that's how I live life, I think, really, is constantly like, where is where is my next exciting um, point? You know, whether it be a work goal or a trip or a, somebody's party or birthday, you know, there's something to just kind of put in the diary and go, yeah. Because there's that feeling of like when you're in the tricky stage, you're like, oh, God, where's the end? Where's the end? And I think as somebody who lives with a disability that's never going away, that it doesn't change, that it's not um, going to get fixed or anything. My my spinal injury is set and has not changed in 20 years and will not. Um, I have that sense of permanence that I'm like, oh, God, it's never going to end because that's how my body is. Um, when I'm in the struggle, I kind of get a bit scared. I can't see an end point. So I have to set an end point and go, no, 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 it's all right. Your disability, your paralysis won't end, but various things you know other parts of your life will end bed rest will end for example and the wound will fix and you'll be able to get up again and or whatever it is the mental health problem you're dealing with at the time will end and you'll get through it there's light at the end of the tunnel what's something that's not a priority for you sophie what can you care less about at the moment um relationships actually with men i'm really like parked park them because um i've been in them long since my injury almost 20 years I've had various relationships and I've really you know good and bad relationships um one of the last ones um was just really bad not the last one the one before it was really really bad and I just 
I kind of, I noticed that I let myself go quite a lot in a relationship and I, I kind of prioritize them so much that I, uh, to the detriment of me and, and my life and everything. And since, so I broke up with my last boyfriend and my life has just gone bonkers in the best way because I'm, I'm focusing on myself and on my life and on everything I want to do. Um, I think my identity was very much tied up with being a girlfriend and being a partner and society sort of almost saying, you know, you as a disabled woman, um, it's almost you're desexualized and you're, and you're kind of, you're, you're not considered the same as other women. And I wanted to try and prove that I was. And I think that was for myself more than anything, but I really did, you know, identify with it. It mattered to me that I had a boyfriend and a partner, but now it just doesn't. I'm so wanting to just be by myself and do my thing. I mean, in fact, I recently got a tattoo with by comma myself because I'm like, my life is my, but made by myself. And I, I want to be by myself. I want to do things by myself. Um, and that might not, that won't be forever, but for now, it's just not a priority. Um, everything else is, and don't get me wrong. I sometimes wobble and go, gosh, it'd be lovely to have a partner. But at the other times I'm like, no, the way I approach relationships is just, it would be detrimental right now. I've, I've got too much other stuff to do. So I just want to not prioritize that, you know, mm. and just leave it, leave it to the side for the moment. Um, mm. I'd love to have a healthier relationship with relationships and bring them into my life without prioritizing them too much and shifting what matters. But I tend to put them at the top of the pile. And at the moment I'm like, no, I don't want to put them at the top of the pile. I want to put my work and my life at the top of the pile. And then my health and then my wealth, you know, and then all these other things, my development, you know, those things need to come first. And and if I could pop them in the bottom, but who wants to be popped in at the bottom? <laughs> Nobody. Do- oh, that sounds a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to be placed at the bottom of the list of priorities? Nobody does. So that's the thing I need to navigate a bit more healthily. And I haven't got those skills yet. So I'm just not prioritizing. And you can't do everything. You free. It sounds like you free. You feel like you freed up a lot of energy and time and resources yeah. that you were giving away to other people for yourself. Absolutely, and that's exactly what it does that have happened as a result of that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it, it's almost like if there's a trajectory, I'm on the up. I'm certainly on the up, and I don't know if that would get interrupted if I suddenly went. Oh, I'm. I feel attracted to somebody, and I love somebody, and I really want to. I want to keep them, and I want to cultivate that I'd probably just give them too much energy and I'd get knocked off course that's just how I am I would not say that's what what all women are like or certainly you know what all people are like I just that's what I'm like and I just don't want to at the moment so that's not a priority mm. what's something you would like to prioritize more um I'd say time time with my best girlfriends I wish I could I wish I did that more at the moment I'm not doing it enough. I'm just, I drop in, I, you know, as in like I check in and we catch up, but quality time with my best girlfriends um, and, and boyfriends, I really wish I could prioritise more, but they they also understand. They get it. They're like, they know that I love them and I want to, you know, be there for them. But at the same time, I'm quite selfish at the moment and I'm just doing that because I'm, I have to because it's like it's making me so happy so it's 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 fine it's not a big issue but I think for me I feel this guilt of like oh I wish I just made a bit more time for my best pals but it's okay we're working it out (laughs) 
on the back burner so you know when you've got a bit more time that's like, it's just so hard isn't it when you're not when, when, when somebody knows you're not prioritizing them it's a horrible feeling but I think my friends know so well now that it's not personal it's because I'm on a mission and I've got such purpose at the moment with what I'm working towards that they know not to take it personally. And they do. I, I know that full well, but I still feel bad. I'm like, oh, I want to be your best. I want to be the best friend I can be. Um, and that's quite a hard thing to do when you're juggling other things. But I feel it from the, in, in the same way in, in reverse, you know, when my friends have had children mm. um, and uh, their priorities shift. And I'm not top of the pile. It, it's just the way it goes, isn't it? Life happens and friendships get shifted around in the in the in the pecking order. And that's that's okay. That's okay. It's just, you know, you still feel that guilt, don't you? You feel that guilt. Yeah. And then the good ones last. They, you know, go back back and forth. Yeah, that's it. That's that's and I think that's the litmus test often yeah. as you get older and you get into adult life is who can sustain these relationships without it being the strain of you know, why aren't you thinking about me first or why? <clears throat> and, you know, I don't want to talk about your kids today. I want to talk mm. about you or something. You, you, you just have to recognize that priorities change for everybody. Um, and I, I think because I chose not to have children and I don't really want them in my life, I I sometimes kind of have that struggle with my friends who do and they prioritize that. And I'm like, really? What about your life? But then they judge my choices and reflect, you know, what about what about your family life? And do you know what? So it's, it's so easy to judge, but I think that that's those, for, I mean, I don't mean in, in my life. I mean, for everybody, I think it's so easy to judge other people's life's choices, but as women, we have certainly got to just accept that the, that's the best thing about being a woman is, is the freedom of choice, choice to do what you want to do when you want to do it. If we've got that, we're winning. So yeah. But yeah, to your point, to your question, I think the priority, something I'd like to prioritize more is probably the way I spend time with my friends, but that's okay. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, you, you can send them this so they can hear you say it. <laughs> that's true. That's a great idea. <laughs> you guys, I'm thinking of you. Uh, finally, Sophie, have you got anything you want to share or shout about before we before we say goodbye? Um, good question. No, I didn't. We covered everything. Um, thank you for plugging my book. It means the world when people spend time with my story I, means everything so oh, and it was I, loved it. This. I loved reading it really it was funny it was really funny I've also got the same references because I'm 1984 so a lot of the same musical references and all of that but I think even oh, wow. anyone of any age would just love it because it's it's funny and honest and like heartbreaking but inspiring although you probably had enough of that word no, I, I I love it. I'm really grateful. Thank you. I I just anytime someone says, "Oh, I've read your book," I'm like, well, oh, "Really? Okay, tell me what did you think?" Because it's just it's it's the choice to spend however many hours with somebody, and it's such a. I find that such a you prioritize again. It's a, talking about priorities that you've decided to put me in there, and it means so much. So I'm yeah. I think that's the only thing I would add. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I hope everyone who listens to this prioritizes reading your book. Really yeah, good. that's a good shout out. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sophie. Take Thank care. You. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Priorities, I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review. 
as this helps other people find it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.